checking out Real Talk Personal Finance. Shit's about to get real. Cashflow King with you today. And today in episode 27, Roth IRA versus HSA. Before we get into today's show, shout out to our brand new listeners in the 16th country listening to the show in the Philippines. So thank you to those of you in the Philippines checking out the show. We certainly appreciate it, and we appreciate all of our listeners. So thanks to everybody for continuing to listen to the show. We really hope that you enjoy it. If you feel like we've earned it, as always, please feel free to leave a five-star rating and review. Share it with a friend, family member, or coworker, or whomever you think may enjoy the show. So today's show is going to be a quick one. I actually had a couple of guests lined up, one of whom unfortunately got COVID. He's doing okay, although his immediate family now also has COVID, so he's caring for them, and our thoughts are with them during this time. Hopefully, everybody has a speedy recovery, and we can get him on the show in the near future. The other guest we had, it's always one thing after the next with the Travel Queen. Her air conditioning unit went out on her house, and so... Needless to say, there's been more pressing things going on over there. I did suggest, and she agreed that it was a pretty good idea if they need to buy a new HVAC unit to consider opening up a new credit card and trying to get another bonus. So you guys are stuck with me for today. And the reason for this show, I actually listened to another podcast. So this was spurred by another podcast where they did a show on Roth IRAs versus HSAs and gave their thoughts about which one they thought was better. They had one person arguing for one side, the other person arguing for the other side. Then they kind of switched in the middle of the episode, and quite frankly, it was a fucking shit show. But I thought, you know, as good of a podcast as that is, and as much as I like the guys that do that show, I think we can do better. So I thought, you know, why don't we make the next episode on Real Talk Personal Finance while we're trying to get our guests back on the show? Let's go ahead and do one and make it exactly the same in terms of the the show itself, but give our viewpoint and take on it. And there will be a definitive winner, in my opinion, throughout the episode as we go through here together today. So that's kind of what we got going on. So without further ado, let's just jump right into it. If you want a deeper dive on either of these accounts, please go back and listen to prior shows that are dedicated exclusively to explaining them and how they work. So I will go over a few different highlights of each of these types of accounts as we go through today's episode, but I am not going to spend nearly the amount of time that we've already committed to these types of accounts on prior shows. In fact, I believe in episode number one, the very first show that I ever produced was on the health savings account. So if you're not really familiar with HSAs or health savings accounts, please feel free to go back and you may want to do it before you listen to today's show and go ahead and listen to that one. There's also been a couple of different shows done on Roth IRAs. I believe I did a basic show and also an intermediate concepts show. We might have even done, I'm not sure if we did an advanced one or not, but I know I've done at least two episodes dedicated to Roth IRAs. So feel free to go back, check those out if you haven't already or you're not very familiar with these types of accounts. I think today's show will probably make a lot more sense to you if you have a chance to do that first. So with that said, let's go ahead and jump in here. First, let's talk about each account, okay? So we'll start with the Roth IRA, all right? A couple bullet points here. Again, not going to go through in nearly as much detail as the other shows, but right now in 2022, you can put in up to $6,000 into a Roth IRA 
you're putting money into the Roth IRA that's already been taxed. And if you play by a couple of rules, namely you have it open for five tax years. If you don't know what a tax year is, go back and listen to the other show. And you're at least age 59 and a half, at which point anything and everything that comes out of that Roth IRA would be considered a qualified distribution and therefore be completely tax free. These are great accounts. There are some income limits. We're not going to go through that today. Again, go back and check out the shows on Roth IRAs if you're not familiar. But these are great accounts to accumulate dollars and presumably have those grow over a period of decades where you can then take tax-free distributions in retirement and beyond and not have to pay any taxes on any of the growth or any of the gains. So they are really, really nice accounts. As I mentioned, 6,000 a year contribution if you're under the age of 50. Once you hit 50 plus, as of right now, you can do an extra 1,000 per year. So if you're 50 plus, your magic number in terms of max contribution would be 7,000, at least for the year 2022. And that's really great, right? You can use a Roth IRA for retirement planning purposes, and that's generally what they're designed to do. But if you get in a bind, you could also access your contributions, not the earnings, not the growth, just your contributions and only your contributions, the money that you put in, tax and penalty-free, anytime, any age, any reason, doesn't matter. Okay, so some people would make the argument in this other podcast, they basically made the argument that, well, you can access your contributions in the Roth IRA for medical-related expenses if you needed to, but if you don't need them for those reasons, you can still invest the money and have all the money come out tax-free in retirement, right? That was one of the bullet points that they sort of had in that other episode. And that's somewhat valid, I guess. But I think there's a better way to go about it, and we'll, we'll get into that here in a second. So we have contributions, right? We have contributions being accessible, tax and penalty-free, anytime, any age, any reason. We have the earnings portion being completely tax-free if you meet the five tax year plus age 59 and a half rule on the back end. And the other big thing with the Roth IRA, and I think we've covered this on previous shows, as far as inheritance purposes go, again, there's a whole separate set of rules, especially since the SECURE Act was passed and everything. But generally speaking, if certain rules are met, your beneficiaries would also be able to take distributions from a Roth IRA tax-free. In most cases, there's always going to be exceptions, and we're not going to get into that today. So the Roth IRA is a great account to have, namely for retirement. Some people use it sort of as a secondary emergency fund in the meantime. That's great. Now we're going to transition over to the HSA. All right. HSA contribution limits are going to be a little bit less. So right now, 2022, you're looking at $3,650 per year for a single person. If you're married or cover somebody other than just yourself on your plan, say a child, for example, then your contribution would be double that. So $7,300 per year. And a little bit different yet somewhat similar to the Roth IRA, once you hit 55 on the HSA, whereas it's 50 on the Roth IRA, but age 55 on the HSA, you can do an extra $1,000 catch-up contribution on that type of an account. So at its most basic form, HSA, you're looking at $3,650 a year. Roth IRA, you're looking at a $6,000 contribution per year. So there is a little bit of a difference there, right? You're looking at, what's that, $2,350. So you can't put as much into an HSA. Okay, fine. As we talked about in the first show, triple tax advantaged 
is what the HSA account basically is. So you're not paying taxes on the money that's contributed on the way in. You're not paying taxes on any of the growth while it's in there, similar to a Roth IRA. And if you use it for qualified medical expenses, you're also not paying any taxes on the way out for an HSA. So if you look at that in three phases, when the money goes in, while the money's in there, and when the money comes out, if those are phases one, two, and three, there's some similarities, right? The HSA, the health savings account, you're looking at, if you use it correctly, tax-free basically in numbers one, two, and three. Going in, while it's in, when it comes out, if it comes out for certain reasons, right? Qualified medical expenses. The Roth IRA, on the other hand, you're only getting the tax-free components on numbers two and three, while it's in, and if you play by the rules, when it comes out. But you do not get any sort of immediate tax benefits on the Roth IRA during number one when the money goes in. So right there, just based on how that works and the fact that an HSA is triple tax advantaged, I would make an argument that the HSA is better. There's several reasons, but that's one of them, right? So triple tax advantaged account. And if you're an employee and you're contributing to your HSA through payroll, through your benefits at your employer, you are also avoiding FICA tax. You are not paying the employee portion of 7.65% for the Social Security and Medicare portion of the payroll tax. That is something that a lot of people don't realize. You can still make contributions to an HSA outside of your company's payroll or if you're not an employee, for example, but you may not necessarily get the same benefit. So if I'm an employee and I have an HSA available through work and I qualify and if you want all the information on how do you qualify and what's a high deductible and all that shit, go back to episode one where we talk about it. But assuming that you qualify, you're going to want to make those contributions if you can through payroll to avoid having to pay the FICA tax as opposed to writing the check out of your checking account and then taking the deduction and not getting that additional payroll tax benefit. So that's another minor thing. It's a big deal, but a minor point to keep in mind. So the HSA, in my opinion, on the contribution front wins because you're getting a triple tax advantage with the HSA as opposed to a double tax advantage, we'll call it, on the Roth IRA. So that's one thing. The next one is... While the money is still in the account, like we said, it continues to grow. It's growing tax-free. A lot of HSAs, once you get above a certain threshold, you can hold a certain amount of that HSA in cash, but you can also invest above and beyond a certain threshold. So I think for a lot of them, it's like maybe $2,000 or $3,000. If you have more than that in your HSA, anything above the two or $3,000 threshold, you can start investing that and trying to grow that You know, if you're not likely to use it in the immediate future. So there's that, and that's going to be the same between the HSA and the Roth IRA. Obviously, the Roth IRA, there's no threshold. You don't need to have two or three grand in cash to start investing. You can invest 100% of the account. So that's not really a point of differentiation, but it's just something that I wanted to make clear on the HSA is that you can invest funds usually within your HSA at a certain point, just like you can and would invest presumably all of your funds in a Roth IRA. So it's not like the HSA is just a pile of cash. It can be. If you choose not to invest it, that's okay. You don't have to. But some people will say, well, you got a lot of cash drag. Or, you know, if I have an HSA, it's not really growing. But if I have a Roth IRA, I can invest the money. Well, most HSAs now, you can invest the money. So that's my point, is that there really is no argument there. Yes, you can say, well, there's a two or $3,000, you know, cash drag. If that's the threshold, you can't invest that two or 3000 bucks. In the grand scheme of things, it's probably going to be a negligible difference. And you're also probably going to want to have 
some sort of a buffer there in cash for expenses that are likely to come up because if you have and you qualify for an HSA, that means that you are on a high deductible plan. And so if you do have medical related expenses, you are going to be the one that's responsible for paying those and you may choose to do that out of the HSA. Therefore, you're probably going to want to have that two or $3,000 threshold sitting in cash. All right. As far as inheritance stuff goes, I mentioned this on the Roth IRA, so we'll mention it here briefly on the HSA side. And we talked about this, I believe, in the HSA episode. Nobody ever talks about this. If you're married, your spouse can inherit your HSA and treat it as their own. But if you're not married or something happens to you and your spouse simultaneously and you have somebody else listed, say, as a contingent beneficiary, for example, the HSA needs to be distributed to that person immediately, and it is fully taxable in that year. Again, we don't give tax or legal advice on the show. We don't give financial advice on the show. Anything and everything we say is for entertainment and education purposes only. Always do your own research, but that's how it works, okay? So there's an argument, and I mentioned this on a previous show, in the FIRE community about never using your HSA and always paying out of pocket and save your receipts, and you can generate tax-free income from your HSA later. So I could spend hypothetically overly simplified example, $1,000 a year in qualified medical expenses, and I pay for those myself, and I save the receipts for those, and then 10 years goes by, and I can randomly take a $10,000 tax-free distribution for qualified medical expenses for the past 10 years out of my HSA. There are people that will do that. There are people that promote and condone doing that. Personally, I feel very strongly against that, I think there's different ways to optimize things in your life, but I'm a big, big, big believer in that we will all, whether we realize it or not, and whether we realize when it's going to happen or not, nobody really knows, we're all going to have certain types of medical expenses that are going to pop up. You could be the healthiest person in the world. I've seen it happen with clients all the time. I had a client who would get up four or five o'clock in the morning, right? One of those miracle morning types every day, run seven or eight miles in fantastic shape. And all of a sudden he's still relatively young early 70s, boom, right? You just never know. And he has all kinds of expenses going on right now. He's been, it's a long story, but anyway, I digress. So we never know, but what we do know is more than likely we're going to need access to the funds in that account. More than likely we're going to have those types of expenses. And so I think an HSA is a great place to hold funds to pay for those types of things. In fact, let me see if I can still get it here. I just did a quick Google search of percentage of bankruptcies due to medical bills. And I'll read this to you here. The top search result that came up says almost 60% of U.S. adults have had medical debt at some point in their life. 70% of Americans with medical bills had to cut their food expenses to avoid bankruptcy. Two-thirds of all bankruptcies are due to medical bills. 20% of medical bankruptcy filers are in the age 55 plus age group. Isn't that amazing? Two-thirds of all personal bankruptcies are due to medical bills. I'm sure there are all kinds of statistics out there in terms of what that looks like, so you can't necessarily take that to heart, right? But there's really no denying that medical-related expenses and medical bills is probably at least in the top five reasons that people file for bankruptcy. So my argument in this whole thing, I think that both accounts are great. I think people should do both. I think Roth IRAs are fantastic. It's probably one of the best, if not the best, and most tax-advantaged retirement plan that there is. But I would make the argument that the HSA is better. If somebody said, hey, you have a dollar, where do you want to put it? What's the better account to put it into? 
all else being equal, my answer would be the HSA, the health savings account. Okay. The other thing, coincidentally, and this may or may not really mean anything, but I think it's interesting that the contribution limit for an HSA is less than the contribution limit for a Roth IRA, which is less than the contribution limit on an employer-sponsored retirement plan. Not to say that one is always better or worse than the other, and not to say that you can just pick that one specific item and say, well, because this this account type has the lowest contribution limit, it's the best. But chances are, like, (laughs) they know there are certain types of accounts and people are going to utilize different types of accounts. And usually, the better it is, the less money you can put in, at least in my opinion, on those three examples, that would be the case. And so I would say the fact that the contribution limit alone on an HSA is lower than a Roth IRA and less than a Roth IRA is just one other sort of thing that kind of will signal to you, hey, this is probably a pretty good account to put money into. And it's probably so good that that's why the contribution limits are as low as they are. And hell, if they let people put more money into an HSA, if all of a sudden they said it's going to be the same limit as a Roth IRA or even an employer-sponsored plan or something like that, people will be pumping all kinds of money into these things. But I think, like I said, it takes the pressure off of your need to have an emergency fund for other types of expenses, right? Obviously, here in the U.S., you know, we're all pretty much going to have insurance for the most part or some type of cost-sharing plan or some, some equivalent where you are going to be covered against anything catastrophic, hopefully. But there's still going to be situations where you have deductibles, you have co-pays, you have co-insurance, you have different things going on and expenses you're going to have to pay for. In my opinion, again, everyone's situation is different. It's not to say that a high deductible plan is right for everybody. It's probably not. There, you could make many, many cases for reasons why somebody would go with a non, a plan that's not a high deductible plan, a non-high deductible plan. However, assuming that you qualify for a high deductible plan, assuming you've done the research on your situation and your health and everything else along those lines, and you've decided, you know what, a high deductible plan makes sense for me and my family. Once you've made that decision, this is, assumes that you've already made that decision and you now have access to this type of an account. That's where I think it's an absolute no-brainer to max fund an HSA to the extent possible because there's no other place that you're going to get a triple tax advantage like that. And we're all going to need the money at some point in life for medical-related expenses. Another reason, going back to what I said a little earlier, why I don't believe in building these accounts up just to be able to take random tax-free distributions later is we all got to go sometime and we may never see later. We might build this account up and then all of a sudden get in a horrific car crash with our spouse And then whoever inherits the account, it's fully taxable to them. And that just creates a nightmare of a situation, you know, for that potentially for that person. So I think you use the triple tax advantaged account. It's not that you're trying to liquidate it, but that you are actually using it for qualified medical expenses. And this is what I do personally, not to say that what I do is what you should do. You need to do what works for you. But I would make an argument that the most advantageous way to use this would be initially you front the expenses for whatever it is. So if you get a medical bill and you've listened to any of our, you know, the travel hacking, I believe it's episode eight. We're supposed to be doing another one coming up here soon. Hopefully we do that. You would use that card, get your points, whatever you're trying to do with the travel hacking stuff, and then immediately reimburse yourself from the HSA. This is what I do. So I have a card right now I'm working on. It's actually a, uh, a world of Hyatt card that I'm using to accumulate Hyatt points because I found out that Hyatt owns one of the all-inclusive resorts that we like to go to. 
And so we're going to try to book a trip to that resort with points. And so they had a, not a great, but a decent sign up bonus. And I'm spending money on certain types of healthcare related things. So I use that card to get the points, right? I spend the money on the card, but immediately I'm reimbursing myself. I got an app on my phone. I reimburse myself immediately from the HSA and all of that's tax free. So the money went in before taxes, the money while it was in there had an opportunity to grow tax free. The money's coming out tax-free and in the process I'm still getting my points so and don't confuse or conflate what I just said now with what I said a couple minutes ago about paying out of pocket what I'm talking about is strategy for getting the points and immediately reimbursing yourself that I approve of and that's what I do the other thing I mentioned was paying out of pocket but not reimbursing yourself and stacking your receipts forever and taking distributions years and years down the line that's something that I do not support a lot of people do and if you're one of those people that says, well, that's, you know, optimal efficiency and yada, 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 go for it. That's just not my jam. So anyway, the HSA, in my opinion, is going to win. The inheritance rules, where I was going, I think, with that long-winded explanation, the inheritance rules are not nearly as favorable as the ones for Roth IRAs. But I think the HSA is something that you should be using for you and for your family, and the goal should not be to leave that as a legacy asset. If you're looking for, we'll turn the tables here real quick, if you're looking for legacy assets, if you're looking for something that you can pass down tax-free and do it in a tax-efficient way, and you're looking for just between these two accounts, the Roth IRA in that example is the clear winner, assuming that it could go to somebody other than your spouse. Now, if you somehow have a crystal ball and know that you and your spouse are never going to get in a car and a plane or anything like that together. And one of you is going to pass before the other and you could leave them one thing versus the other thing. I would still say leaving the HSA, but unfortunately, like nobody knows exactly how life is going to unfold. So instead, if we said, well, the spouse is the beneficiary, if you're married, and then we have contingent beneficiaries on each account, no matter what, if you've had the account open for five tax years, the Roth IRA is going to be inherited and can be distributed from completely tax-free. So strictly speaking, as a legacy asset, I think the Roth IRA is the clear winner for that purpose. And you could also make an argument that there's other ways to leave assets tax-free. You can look at things like life insurance. That's beyond the scope of today's show. But if you're just looking at a Roth IRA versus an HSA, and the goal is what's the best account for you to use during your lifetime for expenses that you are almost certainly going to have, the cash flow king's answer and the clear winner is the HSA. If, on the other hand, you're looking at those two accounts and your goal is how do I build something that's flexible that I can use presumably in retirement, but I can also use as a legacy asset that I can leave to somebody else tax-free and you have those two accounts as the choices, then the clear winner in the cash flow king's opinion is the Roth IRA. So an account for you and only you HSA wins. If it's an account for somebody else, I think the Roth IRA would be the winner in that particular case. Like I said earlier, you know, I do think that if and when possible, people should do both. Ideally, you can max fund both. If you're over the income limits, listen to our other shows on backdoor Roth IRA methods and all that good shit. It's out there. We put it out there. But just in this sense, I think if somebody had a gun to my head and said, pick one, the HSA wins. And we don't agree on much. I almost actually got him on the show. He, he just texted a few minutes ago, right before I started recording this. I said, you coming on for this one or what? And uh, he just finished mowing his lawn. So Cube Crusher actually agrees with me 
on the HSA being the winner. So shout out to Cube Crusher. We don't normally agree on much. Still haven't bought any shit coin. Not going to. And we only got four months left in the year. We'll have to get you back on the show because you did say by the end of 2022 you were going to get me to buy some shit coin. And I haven't. I don't plan on it. Anyway, so that's my song and dance for today. Episode 27, Roth IRA versus HSA. Shout out again to those out in the Philippines. Shout out to everybody else as well. Please share the show. Five-star rating and review. We'll see you in the next episode. Check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys.